there is a very, very fine line between legitimate suspicion and rampant paranoia. Now, why do I bring that up? Because the mainstream media, in correspondence with the intelligence community, have done such a phenomenal job at being able to control the narrative and make it seem like anyone who steps even an inch or two outside of it is crazy, even though that we can argue that's changing currently, but still not strongly or quickly enough. Ultimately, folks, what ends up happening is that when you take a look at the way in which that line is so minute and so very thin, you start to think, okay, so how can I break free of that? How can I get out of that? Right. But maybe you're not even thinking that to begin with because you still feel like you have to pick one of the two options, which is, you know, pick one of the cases of being legitimately, uh, you know, suspect of someone or being paranoid. But what happens if you can transcend that? Because the concept here is that those that are trying to keep us down to no avail are the ones that are keeping us confined within that two option system. Very similar to the two party system within uh, within the Western world, isn't it? Conservative liberal. See how it's always the illusion of choice, but really it's only one more than it's only one extra option from it becoming a I guess you could say from a certain nation becoming a uh, autocracy or something like this, or a dictatorship. Now, before we do start this episode, I would like to give a very special shout-out to my friend Ben Kulikin. Hopefully I pronounced your name correctly, sir. I apologize if I uh, if I butchered your name. With that being said, I do want to say as well, we do have a Patreon. It does help support the show. Um, it actually is our, our main and only source for funding. We don't believe in putting up advertisements and things like this uh, because we don't want to put out content that we ourselves would not want to watch personally. With that being said, let's jump right into it. So, Project Moondust. Resurrecting Pharaoh cities for omni iguanoid or iguanoid incursions all right so first let's start off very strongly and principally from here at robertjgraham.com what are iguanoids approximately four to five feet tall with iguana-like appearances yet hominoid configuration they have sometimes been seen wearing black hooded monk robes or cloaks which conceal much of their saurian features which include tails these have been reported as being extremely dangerous and hateful towards humans and lesser ranking reptiloids such as greys and like all other branches of the serpent race they utilize black witchcraft sorcery and other forms of mind control against their enemies they appear to be a dimension sorcerer or priest class among the reptiloid species and quote now why do I bring up this particular species in uh, specifically because the iguanoids are allegedly I'm not saying this for certain I want to make that very clear because I don't I don't claim to know the answers to everything these iguanoids are allegedly interfacing with thought now you might be saying Dave what do you mean interfacing with thought like thought as in you know the stuff that we think you know the, the words that transcribe and manifest into a physical variation or a verbal variation or a vocal one if you will that gives energetic meaning yes precisely how do you interface with thought it, it poses the same question that we have in general which is how can we interface with consciousness or how do we know that consciousness in fact exists well let's get to that very shortly but let's take a look here at theblackvault.com Project Moondust, three-ton cube-shaped satellite found in Sudan, August 1967. Now, keep this in mind, folks. This is just the public end of things. This case is from Project Moondust and was received by the Black Vault from the Defense Intelligence Agency, or the DIA. The document, and this is when it's interesting, folks, is a one-page memorandum from the Department of State describing a three-ton cube-shaped, quote, satellite object that was discovered in Sudan. It had no markings, was made of soft metal, said to be, li uh, said to likely be 
be light aluminum and made up of oblong cubes measuring two inches by one inch. They were tightly fastened together and covered by a silky material, end quote. If any of you have seen the film Super 8, which came out, I believe, it was directed by J.J. Abrams, which came out in 2011 or 2012, if I'm not mistaken. It seems to be describing the same visual depictions that the alien within that film seemed to be trying to use material for to reassemble its craft. And for any of those who need a bit of a reminder, I'll be putting up some of those images on the screen right now of what that cube looked like. A sort of, I guess we could say, transformium or metamorphous type, I guess, uh, material. Same concept as the black goo, but far more, I guess we could say, concrete in its definitive purpose, right? But let's carry on. According to the memo, there were four photographs, but none were found in the DIA files, nor were they indicated to have been attached to the telegram. The local authorities are said to have with difficulty cut samples. After sifting through known satellite space vehicle objects from this time frame, I attempted to match up anything that fit either the weight of 6,000 pounds, which is three tons, description of being cube-shaped, or, or both. Nothing... Truly came close. End quote. Now, let me just sum it up. This gentleman, who's a fine gentleman, theblackvault.com, ended up looking through different files of not just Americans, but Europeans, you know, Russians, Chinese, you name it, could not find anything. And this is interesting because, again, it speaks to the curation and the foration, uh, the formation, excuse me, of the way in which these feral cities are. I guess we could say curated. Now, why do I bring that up? These documents are released to not add suspicion to the fact that if they were to not release them, then it would be even more, I guess we could say, deceptive and manipulative in the sense of people wanting to see what's happening. So what do they do? Boom. They release one page with just a simple cube. Nobody knows what it is, right? Now, you remember those ghost rockets that I had spoken about in previous episodes as well, too? These are, I guess we could say, the satellites of the iguanoids that are being used that NASA and Area 51 and many other governments are very well aware of and it's kind of just like playing a chess game as well and how do I know that? Well take a look at this right here fireballs.ndc.nasa.gov NASA's all sky fireball network what was that bright light in the sky last night? So the NASA all sky fireball network is a network of cameras set up by the NASA Meteoroid Environment Office or MEO with the goal of observing meteors brighter than the planet Venus which are called fireballs Fireballs. Now, before I go on, let me just say, notice the, uh, the correlation to the planet Venus, which is allegedly the species uh, of Venusians that are watching over us in correspondence to a sub-branch a sub of the Galactic Federation. But let's carry on. The collected data will be used by the MEO in constructing models of the meteorite environment, which are imported, important to spacecraft designers. End quote. The, ne uh, sorry, the network currently consists of 17 cameras, six of which are placed in locations in North Alabama, North Georgia, Southern Tennessee, and Southern North Carolina. Three are in the Northern Ohio, Pennsylvania, Pennsylvania area, five are located in the southern New Mexico and Arizona, and three are in Florida, and the network is still growing, end quote. This is what these iguanoids use to enter the atmosphere because they are trans, I guess we could say, interfering, if you will, with thought, right? Now, with that being said, you might be you might be saying, Dave, I thought you meant interacting. Well, they're interacting at the start. The interference comes afterwards because of the way in which they must enter this, I guess you could say, dimension or planet, and they don't like the fact that they need to be in hiding as well, too. But take a look at some of the locations where some of these satellites have been placed. Interestingly enough, they seem to align perfectly with some of the most alleged and most largest rumored dumb bases, deep underground military bases. And at the same time, folks, if we take a look 
too at where some of these satellites are placed we're also going to find that they're very close to the alleged secret space program or the solar warden base which is right off the coast of florida at the same time however which is interesting if you take a look at nasa's official website you're not going to find any of this there anymore now could this be a project that was quickly closed up and that was not being disclosed to the public to be able to have this type of access it's possible but i mean at the end of the day it's hard to say with that being said the reason why this is also set up too is because look at some of the locations as well in terms of the actual states respective to the country of the u.s we'll talk about that more in the members episode but for those who have been members for a while you'll know that again those connections in those states don't really surprise us now do they right anyways let's carry on let's take a look at this right here so galacticchannelings.com recovered body of female ebe and this is we've brought this up a few months ago but it's important we look at it again so william rutledge is retired and now lives in africa he recently came out to reveal some amazing facts about his involvement with nasa in the late 70s he claims to have worked on at least two missions to the moon including the failed apollo 19 and the apollo 20 which he says was launched in august of 1976 from the vandenberg air force base do you know what occurred end quote do you know what occurred in 1976 at the Vanderburg Air Force Base, the Iguanoids allegedly struck a deal. So let's carry on. Both of these missions, according to Rutledge, were classified joint space missions resulting from collaborations between U.S. and Soviet governments. They do not appear on any roster of NASA missions, and if this is true, for good reason, end quote. Now, anyways, the purpose of this, this whole mission was to investigate a large object on the other opposite side of the moon. But the point here was this. They wanted to see if this city could be made into a feral city, and we'll get very close, very soon, uh, very shortly, excuse me, to what a feral city is. But take a look at this right here. Recovered body of female EBE. Rutledge claims that they, with Soviet cosmonaut Lexi Leonov, landed a lunar module, Russian-made, near the alien ship and actually entered it. Now, before we go on, notice how it says Soviet cosmonaut. Not Soviet astronaut. Why is that so significant? Because cosmonaut means they have been traveling interstellarly through the secret space program. Now, let's take a look here. Certain artifacts were discovered and recovered, including two bodies alleged to be the pilots. One was in excellent condition and appeared to be female. A second body was too deteriorated to recover, and just the head was retrieved. The female has been dubbed Mona Lisa. Now, take a look at this. We went inside the big spaceship, also into a triangular one. The major parts of the exploration was it was a mothership, very old old who crossed the universe at least a milliard of years ago 1.5 estimated there were many signs of biology inside old remains of a vegetation in a motor section special triangular rocks with emitted tears of yellow liquid which has some special medical properties and of course signs of extrasolar creatures we found remains of living of little bodies living in a network of glass tubes all along the ship but the major discovery was two bodies one intact end quote notice something as well too folks the city was named on earth and scheduled as station one one all right however it seemed that it is being used now for some form as it says here some form of scrap or garbage area of the moon because that is how secretive things are now notice those two those smaller little organisms live uh living in I guess we could say uh, these little glass tubes, if you want to call it, were not only experimented species, but they were also species that the iguanoids used to develop a feral city, if you will. Now, let's take a look at what a feral city is, because we need to understand that before we jump back into the the the, the concept of, of proceeding here uh, with regards to the uh, with Project Moondust. Feral cities, pandemics, and the military. MWI.USMA.EDU, Modern War Institute. In the conversation, Doctor Nordis discussed 
discusses his research on feral cities, a term, a term excuse me, he coined to describe a large urban area in which the state had lost the ability to maintain the rule of law, yet remains a functioning actor in the greater international system. End quote. Now, before I go on, you might be saying, Dave, how could there be rules of law or laws set amongst aliens and humans in a place where there are no laws in the case of, you know, a dark side of the moon or something like this? Well, folks, the fact that these extremely advanced iguanoids or iguanoids, if you want to call them, can interface with thought. The concept of thought immediately brings meaning in a metaphysical sense, all right, or a what is called on the public level a pseudo-scientific sense, if you will. That meaning is then filtered down, and according to quantum physics, this is accurate, through the different levels and apparatuses of different frequencies and energies amongst the multiple dimensions to slowly manifest itself in the form of a reality that many people would think now to be preposterous, right? With that being said, too, though, when we take a look at this concept of a feral society or a feral city or system, it does not have to be relative to human beings in order for this to occur. It would be the illusion of freedom, the illusion of a free place, right? Which seems to be going on on a human level, but let's take a look here. He explains the implications of things like pandemics, po pandemic pollution, specifically with respect to feral cities and basic human needs, all right? His taxonomy of city health also calls into question how the international community assesses the health of a city and more broadly whether we have the right expertise to even properly understand major cities end quote so the reason why i bring this up is because of this article right here scitechdaily.com just recently published by the way literally just yesterday sudden disappearance of giant antarctic lake leaves massive crater 200 billion gallons of water gone i wonder where those 200 billion gallons of water disappear to hollow earth i don't think so it probably went to a feral city on the dark side of the moon because it is a crucial time relative to what is going on with the, I guess we could say the um, the pandemic right now. I, I, I got to be very careful with my words here. Relative to what is going on, it is time for there to be a ramping up from an energetical sense for these iguanoids to be able to harness the solar warden base off of the coast of Florida to then use things such as the 200 billion gallons of water to be placed within a feral city on one of the dark sides of the moon or on, you know, one place amongst on the dark side of the moon more specifically excuse me and you might be saying dave why do they need so much water well again there are different propulsion systems on the craft some of them the motherships use the sun as energy and as a portal as well too some also use water as an extraction and a fuel source with some of the propulsion systems when they are within the atmosphere of a planet when they are traveling in space amongst what we refer to as dark matter a little bit of a different story now this is when it's going to get interesting remember when i talked about interfacing with thought well let's take a look at this right here infoq.com Let's take a look. So, Google trains 2 billion parameter AI vision model. Researchers at Google Brain announced a deep learning computer vision or CV model containing 2 billion parameters. The model was trained on 3 billion images and achieved 90.45% top 1 accuracy on ImageNet, setting a new state-of-the-art record. The team described the model and experiments in a paper published on ARXIV. The model, dubbed VIT-G-G-14, is based on Google's recent work on vision transformers or vit in brackets and quote now you know what's interesting too the vit dash g slash 14 is the same alleged description of the model that was labeled in the department of defense of that alleged you know satellite that crashed if you want to call it even though you know there's only one page on it when you ask for it in a foia dump and ultimately or in a foia release and still we don't even get to see any images of it whatsoever now let's take a look at this right here as well because this is equally as important too 
Let's take a look. bc.ctvnews.ca. Two Catholic churches on BC reserves burned to ground in suspicious fires on National Indigenous Peoples Day. End quote. So what happens is these extraterrestrials, specifically the Iguanoids, use large-scale events or even small-scale events relative to the thought that is being given to the amount of people that are in that vicinity of mass consciousness and giving it thought within a current time and use those events to contribute to these feral cities on different planets, not just on the moon, but on different planets all around our star system because the Iguanoids are, know that there are different factions at play that will not, <clears throat> excuse me, will not allow them for direct intervention or incursion, if you want to call it. Incursion basically meaning when you go in there and you basically take control of a place physically in an imperialistic way and you kind of you know you take it over by force but then eventually you leave right that's incursion imperialism is when you go there you just stay and then that's it right so anyways let's take a look at this right here this is helena states Helenastales.weebly.com, excuse me. Ancient text reveals Earth was ruled for 241,000 years by eight kings who came from heaven. Interesting that this seems to be consistent with the Anunnaki story, and interesting that Project Moondust seemed to spark this revelation that Mr. Rutledge went on the Apollo 19 and 20 missions that seemed to have the same biological descriptions on those people, in on those aliens, if you will, that seemed to be dead but still intact, if you want to call it. Or maybe not dead per se, but you know, dead relative to our perception of it, relative to these faces right here. Similar biological compositions were found. Interestingly enough, it discusses how the ships came on in cube-like formations within the same locations I mentioned at the beginning of this episode of where NASA is placing all of its cameras, or at least where they were, because now according to them they're not, right? But anyways, it's interesting that it seems that this may in fact have been at least a representation or a direct depiction of a physical appearance of an iguanoid. And look at the look at the, 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 the facial structure. It is humanoid relative to our understanding, obviously, right? It is sapien, I guess, if you want to call it. But again, who is to say that this is not extraterrestrial, especially when there are biological composites that are extremely similar to what was found, allegedly, on the, the dark side of the moon as well, too. So again, we have to find that to be, you know, quite interesting to say the very least. So... Ultimately, folks, the concept here is that Project Moondust was just the beginning of all of this in order to keep the Iguanoids or the Iguanoids at bay so that there is no formal incursion or inversion in a way that would disrupt these feral cities. But these feral cities are also used, uh, as a matter of fact, folks, to try and, I guess we could say, deceive the Iguanoids and making them think they are within this dimension and in this galaxy when in reality they are elsewhere. Very similar to those episodes in Star Trek when, you know, they're on the hollow deck and they think that it's real. So let me know what you all think and we'll catch all of you very, very soon. Cheers.